0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's begin. <clears throat> they, they had to of, it, just in a sentence, basically in a sentence. It's very, very simple. There are farmers and uh, in Eretz Yisrael who own an enormous amount of land. Who their entire business and and Parnasa comes from uh, whether it's the vegetables or the fruits or the uh, harvesting of whatever it is that they're growing in Eretz Yisrael, the wine, the uh, the grapes. And uh, during the Shemitah, the Torah says that you're not allowed to work the land. And not only you not allowed to work the land, but even anything that grows in your field during the land has a special caducia, which you're not allowed to do business with, you're not allowed to sell, you're not allowed to buy, only on a very limited Level, in which case, basically, what you're telling the farmer is that um, you know, for someone who's a doctor or a lawyer or a computer programmer, it's an easy, it's a pretty easy mitzvah to to do. Someone whose whole business is bananas in the Negev, then it's really a big uh, a big avoda and it's a big challenge. So, um, so the question is, are you allowed to, um, you know, allowed to maybe? work on uh, some type of, I guess, I I like to call it a trick, but some type of trick, some type of what we call a harama. It's very simple, you sell the land to a non-Jew. Once you sell it to a non-Jew, somehow we have to figure out what that accomplishes, but somehow that accomplishes, that apparently accomplishes something, so that now I can work the land. I was giving a shir here about three, four years ago, um, between Minchamarev, and there was a discussion um, about a young man who was uh, getting, his offer was on that Shabbos. And he went to the barber one, one, two o'clock in the afternoon, and the barber um, fainted in the middle of his haircut. Half his hair was cut, half his head was cut, and half his head was still, you know, full of hair. And uh, it was a big to do, and uh, whatever. And there was an aristocrat, well. Hatsala came, or the equivalent of Hatzalah came, and they took him. It was like two, three hours, but it was basically it was Shabbos. It was too late for him to, you know, finish up his haircut. He was he was involved with the with the barber, and uh, the Shilo was whether on Friday night he can get a Andrew to cut his hair. That a non-Jew to God said, so that was the Shiloh. Can you have a non It was related to the Shiloh of whether a non-Jew can cut a woman's nails as going to the mikvah. didn't cut her nails, uh, Friday night. But before Shabbos. It's a related topic. So someone came over to me, I won't mention his name, after, uh, during the, you know, maybe Moseley Shabbos says he has a good idea. Why doesn't the young Bacher just sell his head to a non-Jew? So he's here to ananju. So he's here to ananju, and then he can have a cut on Shabbos, and then he can cut. It. So it doesn't always work to sell things in halacha. We have to explain, you know, when it's allowed, when it's not allowed, what does it accomplish, what does it not accomplish. I thought that was funny. He certainly thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> there was a great rav. There was a great rav. His name is Rav Yeshua Lame Kutna. Yeshua Lame Kutna. He was a rav in a place called Kutna. The last thirty-three years of his life, thus he took on that uh, that name was stuck. Uh, but well, his, his, his last name was Trunk, Rabbi Trunk. And in the first piece, um, the first Maram in the Heta that you have in front of you, he writes, to um, So as one of the rabbis from Alexander was asking the Shiloh whether a to mahir of selling the land in Eretz Israel is it allowed and does it accomplish something? So again, what we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks, just to put it, Just to put it in a a very general perspective, and then we'll get into the details, is one, can you sell land to a non-Jew in Eretz Israel, period? Forget about, forget about Shemitah here. Are you allowed to sell land? Is there any problem with selling land to a non-Jew, period, in Eretz Israel? Certainly you can sell a house in Bergenfield to a non-Jew. Is there a problem with selling land, selling a house, selling a home, selling a tract of land to a non-Jew in Eretz Israel? Is there some reason why maybe that's a problem? Number one. Number two, if that is a problem. If that is a problem, then if one does do it anyway, does the sale even go through? Sometimes in halacha, the Torah says you can't do something, but even so, even though if if you do it, it, it goes through. It works. It, the lotion is it's chal. chal. The word chalos, The word chal. When we're going to use the word chal, it means that when the Torah says. That you have to do a certain action. Sometimes, all the Torah is saying is that you do that action, and period after the action's over, the action's over, and nothing continues as a result of that action. sometimes, there's an action that takes place, and as a result of that action, even after the two parties go home, there's been a change in the world. In the halakhic world, there's been a change. For example, the Torah says you should shake lulav. When the Torah says you shake lulav, you shake lulav, you put the lulav down, you go home, nothing, nothing continues after you've shaken that lulav, you've shaken the dalaminum. When a man marries a woman, in addition to the mitzvah of Kedushin, after they both, you know, they finish with the Kedushin and everybody goes home, there's been a halachic change in the world that takes place. Now the woman is an Asia's That's called a chalos. When we say the word chalos, we don't just mean the chalos that we buy in, uh, in the store for Shabbos, we mean the halachic impact that takes place and remains after the action. So what we want to know is that when we sell, the Torah says, let's just say for a minute, let's say the Torah says you can't sell a piece of land in Eretz Israel to a non-Jew. We'll explain where that comes from. The second question we then want to know is, okay, you say you can't sell it, but you did sell it. You sold it. Is the sale chal? Of a, a kohen is not, a, not, not allowed to marry a gurusha. He can't marry a divorcee. Let's say he does marry a divorcee. Is the Kedushin chal? The answer is, interestingly, the Kedushin is chal. They're married. But they're not allowed to be married. That's true. They're not allowed to be married, but they're married and they have to get divorced. But the, but the she's an aishas ish to the kohen, even though it's a, what we'd call it. It's a chalos be'iser, but it's still a chalos. If a man would marry his mother, then that would not be chal at all. There's no kedushin. She's not married, and he's not his wife. She's, period. So sometimes the Torah says you can't do something, and even though you can't do it, it's chal anyway. It happens. It works. And sometimes the Torah says you can't do something And it uh, because the Torah says you can't do it It does not work, it's not chal And the Gemara's in the beginning of tomorrow Discuss what the distinctions are When the, when the Torah says Lo savid that you're not allowed to do something E of it, if you do it anyway Is it Mahani? Does it work? Or the Lo Mahani does not have any halachic impact at all So the next question we'd want to ask again we have, We're just talking general, general You're not allowed to sell a piece of land to a non-Jew in Eretz Yisrael Okay if the say you do it anyway, I do it anyway, Is it, does the sale go through or does it not even work at all? Because if we would come to those following two conclusions, that one, you're not allowed to sell a piece of land to a non-Jewan nurse, and two, if you do sell it, that it's not sold, then there's no hetamachira that you understand. There's no hetem You're not allowed to sell the land, and if you sell it, it's not. So that means you can go through the whole hetem but the land that still belongs to the Jew. <clears throat> So that's an important question. That's going to be the first discussion that we're going to have. The second discussion we're going to have in next week or maybe the week after is, okay, you're allowed to sell the land to a non-Jew in Eretz Yisrael for some reason. Or you're not allowed to sell it, but if you sell it, it's tchal anyway. So therefore, there is a hatimachir that takes place. I mean, it worked. So what would you do? Like, what did it accomplish? So now the land belongs to a non-Jew. So uh, does that mean that you're allowed to work the land in Eretz that belongs to a non-Jew? Because there are a number of assumptions that we have to make in order for the Heth and to have any impact at all. One, we probably would want to say, you're allowed to sell the land to a non-Jew. Number two, you'd want to say, well, even if you're not allowed to sell the land, if you do it, it's Chal. So now the land belongs to the non-Jew. The third thing you'd want to say is, now that the sale went through, you would also want to say, not only did the sale go through, but it actually accomplishes something. Now I can work the land that belongs to the non-Jew in Eretz Yisrael. So the first thing is, are you allowed to even... There's almost two questions that we want to ask. Can you do it? And, and does it have any impact? Can, can you sell land to a non-Jewan? And two, what does it accomplish? Now that the land belongs to a so what can I do? Can I sell the land? Does the, the payers of the land have So Can I do business with the... Products of, of, the land that now belongs to the these are the things that we're gonna be discussing. And the third thing we have to discuss, of course, is, uh, even if it works, and even if it accomplishes what you want it to accomplish, the Torah says that you shouldn't do it. The Torah says, now you shouldn't do it. The Torah says that if you keep Shemitah, there's gonna be a big bracha. So why would anybody wanna get involved with these, with the, with the Hetemachira, if, if, the, if it's easy like that? I'll tell you there's a big bracha. Just keep the thing, keep Shemitah, and I'm gonna give a big bracha. The problem is, and again, it's not a. I, I, don't know how, I don't know how to say it, but in, in the late 1800s, they weren't saying they were. They were nervous, very concerned and nervous that the early pioneers were going to Eretz Yisrael. They were just building up the land, and, and uh, as, as difficult and complicated as it was, they were making some progress slowly, but sure they were making good progress. And then you tell them, you know, you know, you have to stop working the land during the Shemitah year. That didn't go over very well. And they had, to, they had to rack their brains in terms of figuring out the rub button, had to rack their brains. Is it something that we could somehow get around? Not only that, it was very important for another very economical reason. There was someone by the name of Edmund Rothschild. Have you ever heard his name? You heard his name. And he was giving millions at the time. He was giving millions of... What we would call millions of dollars today. He was giving millions of dollars then. I think it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's assumed that there was something like... Fifty million dollars that he gave to the Yeshuv in Eretz Israel in his time, in the late 1800s. So, what's fifty million dollars today? If it was 120 years ago, fifty million dollars 120 years ago, it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. He started a lot of communities were started by him. In fact, I think it's, a, it's a, um, assumed that he bought from non-Jews at that time 125,000 acres of land in Eretz Israel. That's a big zechus, no? It's a big zechus. So, so, he's he's paying all this money and helping the pioneers build the land and, and start communities and start vineyards and 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 and, and wheat fields and, and building up Eretz Israel. And, and they're telling him seventh year they're going to stop working. Seventh year you stop working. You know the, the Gemara, the the the, the says if when it comes to the Torah, if the, the two things Chazal tell us, one, if you open up pitzcholi pesach Shamach, if you open up a little hole. Show Hashem, a, take one step forward. He'll he'll put you put you ten steps forward. Open up a little bit, and he'll open up. He'll he'll physically pesach shamak evane afterchla pesach shaulam. You give me a little bit, I'll give you a lot. But it also says, if you leave me for a day, I'll leave you for two days. if you leave, me for, if, you leave if you don't learn for one day, then, then you lose you, you don't just lose that day, you lose two days. Why? Why should that be? It's not a Muslim Muslim but uh, my friend um, just told me that he was listening to a chef from Reisman. Weisman said that when a person learns today, he's not just learning today. He's learning for today and he's learning for tomorrow. Because when he learns tomorrow, the learning that he did today helps him for tomorrow. So every time we learn something, it's a double learning. It's for today and it's for tomorrow. But if you don't learn today, so you lose two days. You lose today and you lose tomorrow's learning that you would have had better because you learned today. That's not what Weisman said. I just used that, that idea to, to explain it. So... You're going to not work the land for a year. You're not, going to use, you're not going to lose a year. You're going to lose two years, three years. They were very, very concerned. So um, some Rabbanim got together. Specifically the Rabbanim who were very favorable towards the Chibat Zion movement of that time. And they were what we would call religious Zionists. The Rishuala Kutna was one of them. They were Chassidish Admarim who were part of this movement as well. There was a, well, we're going to see his uh, um, name and his say for in a minute, the author of the Shalom Yerushalayim, the Piluva Rebbe. Pilav Rebbe was a grandson of Yisrael Meir, Yisrael Moshe, Yisrael Meir, uh, I think Yisrael Moshe maybe, of Morgenstern. He was the grandson of the Kutzka Rebbe, they called him the Zionist Rebbe, the, the, Rebbe from, the, Rebbe, the Zionistic Rebbe. And he writes in his sefer tremendous things, which we'll see in a minute. But before that, so they asked him, shulikutner, can you maybe there's a way to help the yishuv by selling the land to a non Jew? Would that work? Would that work? Would that accomplish one? Can you do it? And two, as we mentioned before, would it accomplish if you sell the land to a non Jew? Can you then work the land? Are you allowed to work the land in Eretz Yisrael during the shemitah year if it belongs to a non Jew? That's the question. So he writes in a famous tshuva. Which was published after he passed away. As follows, it's a great line. It's a wonderful line, especially if you're svaradi. Svaradi, this is the tshuva. You have to blow it up, hang it up on your wall. Where he says as follows: If you asked me with regards to the shemitah, this is um, maybe the grandson of uh, of, the of Alexander. What you were yes about the shemitah? The how, listen to this lawsh. Hakarka to sell the land who heter pashut. Of course it's of course it's allowed. The no hagim We sell Chomets? You're not allowed to have some comments on, 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 on Pesach. You sell the Chomets? If you have a Bakar behemet tahor, you have to give it to a Kohen. Sell it to a guy. Before it keeps put, sell it to a guy, you know, then you buy it back, or you make some type of deal, however you want to do it, you become a partner with a guy. We do all we, we, we sell the Bechor Tahara, we sell the Chametz Pesach, and so do Jews who have villages, who have fields, who have farms during the Shemitah year and if you tell me listen but but Hashem promised I'm going to give you a big bracha who would want to not take part of that bracha he says yeah that was maybe then who has fields in every Israel now you see why this tshuva may not apply and yet Taf Shin Ayin Hey, as it applied in the year Tav Reish Vav. But he says, but then I don't know if the bracha existed in the eighteen hundreds. Rav Kotner says, and then he writes as follows: specifically, he gedolei rabbanim starat. Besides the fact that rabbanim, the, the spardisher gedolim have been doing this for years, the hatemachiri has been going on. They've been writing staros, selling land in Eretz Yisrael, to the non-Jews during Shemitah, and the Sephardic farmers are working the land, and the Sephardic Rabbanim are behind it. That's not the part you should blow up. The part you should blow up is the next line, where he writes, Kikidoli Asher Avam Shel Ashkenaz. Which means as follows, <laughs> their small pinky is bigger than the thighs of the Ashkenazic Rabbanim. Imagine such a line? This is an Ashkenazi rov. They're small. Let's read that again. I should see Parnam, their their nail is of is fatter, thicker. They're greater, bigger. Mikrasem shall chachme ashkenaz. Than the than the than the belly of Chachme Ashkenaz. Hey Matir Shi, Avdo Nokamash, shvis Day mechira. And they were Matir. Ah, uh-huh, very important. They were mounted matri- that Gaim should work the land during Shemitah, through true the So already we see there's some type of pullback, even by this Dolly Svarad, but Rav Kutnas, Yishullah says, but certainly it's allowed, and that's what, you sell Hamets, you sell the, the Behar Behemitar, you sell, um, you sell the land of Eretz Israel also b- before the year, before Shemitah, and you can work the land. But he says you should work it by non-Jews. What period is the Dolly Svarad talking about? He's talking presumably Rabbi Yosef Yosef, the author of the Yalkut Yosef, is talking. Assumes he's referring to the Yisa Bracha and uh, Rabbi Fal uh, Panagel, who were the they were the heads of the Svarde uh, Eidat Hamizrach in the late eighteen hundreds. So um, I have I have a Talmud whose name is Panagel, It's related to that to that line. These were the Rishon Litsiyons in the late 1800s. Says, they're doing it. They're bigger than the Chachmei Ashkenaz. If they're doing it, we can do it. Let's finish up the tshuva. Let's finish up the tshuva. However, The truth is, a Jew shouldn't work the land. Now we have to see if it works. It works. I understand that. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Plaster. What are you going to say? You can't have a heta machira now and make what the Spidey don't know what they're talking about? You know how big they are? And not only that, the Ashkenazim are being so quick, he's talking about himself, the Ashkenazim are being so quick to say no heta machira, they're causing big, big problems. Why? Because now, there's no, they're not allowing the Hatta And the Jews are working the field themselves, it's a big, it's a big, uh, Nisayan. And they can't, uh, you know, and and they can't, they can't, is it? If you hold it's not allowed, it's not allowed. But if there's room to be Makal, you should be Makal. So I don't even know why anybody would be Makal let me quote he says he had the works. Which, means, which means again, I haven't really explained much but what we're saying is that you can sell if one sells the land to a non-Jew in Eretz Israel for the year of Shemitah at that point you can have a non-Jew work the land for you, now, we have to explain we have to explain that according to Rabbi Yeshua, that means that you're allowed to sell the land of a non-Jew to, you're allowed to sell the land In a a land in Israel to a non-Jew, at least during the year of Shemitah. Maybe there's a difference. Maybe during one, two, three, four, five, six, you can't sell land to a non-Jew in Israel. But for the year of Shemitah, you can. We'll explain why in a minute. And two, what that accomplishes is that once the land belongs to the non-Jew, now a guy can work the land. Okay. Yes. Right now, at this point in time, Shemitah, the rice, the rice, the rice, the rice. Oh we are just starting. We're just so, so that's very important. Work, yeah, we'll have to that's part of that's, that's that's usually any big shuvah and Shmita will always the first Simon Aleph. Shvias Vzmanaza the darabana, We'll have to get there. We'll probably we'll to, we're gonna have to. We're gonna get there. I'm just giving a general overview of, of, the, of the, the beginnings of the heter, without even explaining what's behind the hetter. Just that the rabbanim of Sfar, the rabbanis did it. They're big people. You can't just say, uh, you know, machavek. Uh, so you have to, so that we can do it too. So, so Rabbi al khanon Rabbi khanon after the three great rabbanim, Shmuel Clapfish and Shmuel Mulliver, and uh, and Rabbi Shulamikutna came together in the 18 uh, I think it was before the Shemitah of 1889 Shemitah 1888, 1889 and this is when Rothschild was saying hey listen you got to work the land you got to figure something out you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not giving millions of dollars for the, for the yeshuv to go, uh, to go kaput just because, you know, for, so he's telling them we gotta work something out. They come together, the three Rabbanim come together, one of them be Ribbishwala, and he says, <laughs> they send a letter to the Rizal Khadon, who was the post of of that time. Rizal Khadon was the post in the 18, in the mid to late 1800s Rizal Charon, and he writes, I agree, I'm masking to the hetter. That was gigantic for them. It was gigantic for the hetter mechira that you had on that side. But then he writes as follows, but, there's always a but, but I'm living, you know, where, where am I living? I'm, I'm living not in Eretz Israel. And if the Rabbonim of Yerushalayim of Eretz Israel, the great Rabbonim, the Godot of Yerushalayim, write the shtar, if they write the shtar, the contract that sells the land to the non-Jew, then you have my house coming. Who was in Eretz Who was Yerushalayim at the time? No, 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 he was after. He was after. So that was, um that was, um, Reb, 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 uh, Rev, Shmuel Salant. No way. He didn't think it was be He didn't think it would be allowed. Rev Shmuel Lev I think, was there. He uh, can't do it. So that was a problem. So that that, from that point, Rev Shmuel Molliver and, uh, and Rev Shmuel Lev and Rev Shmuel Clapfish say, we can have a hata mechirah. They send to Mizor HaKhan he really, he gives the hata but he doesn't want to give the hata lamaisa until the Rabbi Yerushalayim agree. The Rabbi Yerushalayim disagree and we're still arguing 120 years later. But that's where it began. So the rabbis Yishlaim disagree? That, Today they disagreed. Yes. Then they disagreed. Yes. Today, the Yush- then the Rabbani in generally thought it was not a, a, it was not possible. The Rabbanim in Europe; these Rabbani thought it was possible. This Hakham thought it was possible. Another great, we'll see his true in a minute. Another great great Rav who thought that Hadmachira was okay was Yosef Engel. He was the great great Rav, um, and if he has a conversation with the grandson of the Katsgar Rebbe, the Bissrael uh, Morganstone, the Bissrael Pilova. They have this discussion, and he writes a sefer, Otsros Yosef, and Otros there's a long piece on Shemitah where it's basically a response to a Kuntras that, uh, the, this, the, the third Rebbe, the son of Rab David, that, what uh, he wrote, and it's a response, but you wrote in Osalef, is not correct, we wrote no Osbeis, you can disagree with, you wrote I, 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 there's a machlokas about it, piece by piece, by piece, by piece, But We'll see it inside, we'll see it inside. we really we be discussing the concept of whether a non-Jew is he our agent? That's what. Well, he yeah, well, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna. I hope help to hit everything, but we're gonna. It's gonna take time. i was just asking. Yeah. What is? I assume you're hiring this too Yeah. So you're paying him. So what is that accomplishing? If you physically are not leaking the That's a good of, question. That goes to the heart of when you talk about the malacha of shvius. Is it a? Is the iser, the Is it a maisa iser or is it a gram iser? Is the iser that you're not allowed to do work on shvius? Or is the Yisr that you're not allowed to have your land worked on (laughs) (laughs) Shavis? If it's the former, then you accomplish something. I'm not doing it. Okay, I have a guy do it. But that's not Doraisa, that would be Dorabanon. Like an Amirul Akam. So that it lowers the problem. And then if you sell it to an Anjou, we allow a guy to do it. But if you, you understand that the nature of the Moloch of is that it's a din in the land, it's a din almost in the, in the of the land. Someone who owns land in every cell cannot, cast and to make sure that it's not worked, then you, a guy, it really doesn't make much of a difference. And there shouldn't be a distinction. Huh? It's, well, that, so let's see, let's see. Let's, let's see the psalm. So you turn the page. But I want to just, before you turn the page, it's so beautiful to see that be saw Morgenstern. Again, he's a, a grandson of the Kotzka, where he writes in a famous, somewhat famous famous, Shalom Yerushalayim. And discuss, again, this is the time when, you know, a lot of, you know, the push... The major push, even though there were certainly Rabbonim who were and religious Jews who were Zionistic, but that was not where the push was coming from. The the really secular world, the Jews who were not um, affiliated, the maybe even anti religious and uh and, and the mechira was sort of in a sense giving them some some kawach to be able to continue work in the land. So a lot of people were against it perhaps politically also. But um, the Rabbi Solomorgens writes as follows, in his safe, in the beginning of his safe, I'll just read it together. He says, and how do you know in responding to the responding to the uh to the, the political issue of, but look who's who's pushing the his throne now. Look who's who's look who's who's in the forefront of, of the Zionistic movement. People who are who are not Shomer Shabbos, not Shomer Kashwas, Tara, Shamish That's who you follow? Look what he says. And you think Hashem's bringing the Yeshua and the Geula through them? Does so it make sense that Hashem's going to bring the Geula and Yeshua? This is Al to the Geula through them, through the non, through the non-religious. Yes. So, Rav Morgan said this. It the, the, He says, First of all, it's beautiful, and even though the people who are involved are not the biggest tzedikim. This is a Chasideh Rebbe. Let, let, let's understand where this is coming from. He writes, "Sometimes Hashem does His work for the most simple, simple Jew. You think He's simple for whatever reason Hashem has His Chasbanos, and if He wants the Medina of Israel to come through Theodore Herzl, that's where it's going to come from. But why? How does it make sense, big Rebbe? I think if they learn all the Davenal there, says that's not our business. That's Hashem's business." And then he writes further. I, we know who Hashem is going to choose to be Kaddish his name. Well, I don't know whose chus is greater. Where, where are we? But this I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, this is a beautiful line. This I can tell you. When I was younger, I remember there were some old old chassidim sitting around. You know, imagine you come before mincha, five minutes early, the chassidim over two minutes sitting around, and they're remembering the old days. So this is a someone who's living in the 1800s who's remembering the old days because he hears the chassidim talking about what was in the old days. And look what he says. And the there were some old chasidim sitting. And they were talking about Eretz Yisrael. One of them said, "As follows, This is this is the the Rebbe of the of Menachem Mendel Mikotsk. Okay, so the early eighteen hundreds. I remember an old chassid in the, in the 1880s. And he says, I remember when I was young, I was listening to the, some, some old chassim talking about Rebunim when they were young. And he says, Rebunim, the people who were surrounding him said, when Mount Fior from London was becoming very famous. You know that Rabbi Hirsch Kalesheh was sending letters to Mount Fior to buy land in Yisrael. Buy land now. You buy land and buy land in Yerushalayim. Buy land in Yerushalayim, we can start bringing the carbon we'll bring the Geulah scholarship. This was his. This was one of his missions in life to try to bring that to fore. He didn't accomplish the carbon pesach, but he a lot. That people really. He he made Eretz Yisrael in the forefront of people's minds in the 1800s. So the people around him were saying, "How come the how come the, the is a billionaire? In that time, he was a billionaire. How come he doesn't buy land from the Turks so we can so we can stop moving to Eretz Yisrael?" What, 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 even if he buys it, what are we going to do? We can't. We're going to make aliyah. Hashem didn't tell us to make aliyah. Yeah? When Hashem comes and tells us to go, we'll go. But what? What are we going to do anyway? This is one of the chassidim said. Say, Rav Bodim is sitting at the head. Someone says, Why doesn't he buy land himself? So another chassid says, What are we going to do? We can't go anyway. So Rav Bodim says, I'm not Don't say that. If the land would go from the non-Jew. If the land starts being transferred from non-Jew to Jew, the Yeshua is going to come slowly, but surely. And there's going to be a great takuma, a great, what's a takuma? A great resurgence, a great uplifting. from am Yisrael. Alexander. Alexander. Alexander, the first Alexander Rebbe was there at that time. Reb Bunim said, "What do you mean? Buy land and we'll start moving there. And you'll see what's going to happen. there's going to be a big tikkuma." Hundred years later, we have um, Medina Nasi Let's get back to the halacha. Let's talk halacha. Let's talk halacha. Although the history is fascinating, we'll talk halacha. 6 says, "The Shem this is parashat bahar matnin Shmita, har sinai. What does that even mean? It says pasach. Usually he says When you come to the land that I gave to you. The land should rest. For 6 years you can plant For 6 years you can prune For 6 years you can gather You can harvest You cannot plant You cannot prune You cannot harvest so I'll explain you can harvest But not like a boss. You can harvest a little bit you can harvest what you need for a few days For a week besides in when these reghalos and the, the 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 grapes you should not harvest schnash aber so yellow arets and then it says, and you're allowed, don't think you're not allowed to eat Peyroshevis, you're allowed to eat it. As long as you don't harvest a lot, you're allowed to eat it, but it has to be done in a certain fashion of Kedusha, by Shabbos Aris Lachem L'Ochla, to eating, and Chazal Darshan, you can eat the Peyroshevis, fruits and vegetables that grow during shvis. you can eat, but L'Ochla the the but you can't do business with it. L'Ochla have said you have to eat it in such a way so that there's no leftovers to the extent that it's going to be, there's not going to be any ruining and wasting of the food. Then it says a little bit further, and if you'll say, after Hashem gives the mitzvah of Yovel, and if you'll say, What am I going to eat? There's nothing, we're not planting, we're not harvesting, what am I going to eat? Don't worry about that. That's my business. You, you do what you're supposed, you do what you're supposed to do, I'll send my bracha, you'll have so much in one year to last for three years. That's the parsha of parsha shemitah. The other aspect which is not in parsha's bahar, but it's brought up in that during the year of shemitah, the land has to be made hefker. That we don't see from these basilkim. So you have to be mafker, the land. That's a machlokis, and we'll have to get to that as well. Does that mean that the land, during, during Shemitah, the land in Eretz Israel is automatically hefker, just what we call afgaisa de Malka? Hashem says and says, it's not yours, it's Hafkar. Well, do we say no? A person has a mitzvah to be mafkar the land, and if it's not of the land, then it's not Hafkar. That's a discussion and the which we'll get to as well. But what we see from here is that there's a, definitely a, an Avera to plant, um, there's also an Avera to plow, and there's an Avera to prune your land during the, the year of Shemitah. Well, That's what we see. Yes? Yeah, That's directly you the main side, that's one thing. V'suk. That's correct. In Tibet, that's right. It's also said the shaftar aleph. That's exactly right. So how does shatara aleph happen? That's a good. If you if you don't work the shaftar, if somebody else works, they, do you transgress against the shaftar? I think so. It could be. That's what the that's what many of the can say. It's true. That's what Steve was mentioning. What does the poskim say? It says selkalos shizras. From that perspective, it implies. I can't plant, but I can get. A, I can ask a guided plant. That's okay. But you would still be in violation of Shav Saar and Shabbos Lashem because the land does not rest there. It's a very good point. Very good point. We'll get to that as well. What I want to discuss now is the first point of the shir. First point of the shir. You're not allowed to do Malacha. You're not to do Avodah. You're not allowed to You're not allowed to work the land. The farmers want to work the land. They have to work the land. 1889... What are we going to do? Okay. I have an idea. Shmuel Kutna, the father before them, whose nail is bigger than our belly, sell the land to the non Sell the land to the non-Jew, we can work the land. Let's not, for, for, right, right, for now, let's, let's not distinguish right now between the Jew and the non-Jew. Something Once you sell the land, it accomplishes something. That you can work the land, or the non-Jew can work the land, which means you can, land. you can sell the land. You can sell the land, you can sell land to a non-Jew in Eretz Yisrael. That is a problem. That in itself is a problem. Why? Because the Pesach says in Zavarim Perek Zion, as follows, he, Hashem brings you to the land that you're going to come there to, to inherit. So they have all these great goim that are going to be there, but Hashem's gonna give, give them to you and you're gonna smite them. You should utterly and absolutely destroy them. Not downgrade them, not, uh, what's the other word that's used, um, not, um, hurt them. Absolutely complete hachreim tachreim means destroy absolute destruction. They're evil. Lo lo Don't make a treaty with them. No peace now. V'lo tichaneim. Every other word was pretty pretty easy. Hachreim tachreim means destroy. Lo tichros lo means don't make a treaty. What does what does lo tichaneim mean? What does that word even mean? tichaneim? Pain. What does pain mean? mean? Don't give many benefits. Any grace? Don't give any grace. Don't give grace. So Chazal have a triple drasha on this pasuk. Triple drasha. Let's discuss the one that we care about is losi That's our discussion. Now let's discuss the other two quickly. again it's written in a, and the and the, the the Gemara the Rishonim explain the reason why they have a triple drasha cuz it could have, if it was, if it meant chayin, it should have said or some So the fact that it said this funny word implies a three levels of interpretation. One, you cannot give them matnaschinim. Shouldn't just give a gift to a non-Jew for nothing. No. Someone's in my office, and everybody's exchanging gifts, and that's the nature of what happens. And if you don't, so then um, you know there's going to be an ill will. That's not nothing. That's not. That's not. That's not for nothing. If you give a tip, you give a tip. If you give a tip. You're going to get a better service. That's a question. That in itself is a question. That in itself is a question. That is a question. That's a question. It's a discussion. Even though, the, even though the pasuk says mentions the seven nations, many um, uh, points in the Gemara and many Rishonim imply that it applies to all non-Jews. So let's assume for a moment it's all non-Jews. So this applies to all non-Jews. lossi we'll see the in a minute who definitely applies it not to all non-Jews. But not to loshitain no, if it's for nothing, if, if I'm gaining something back, that's not my naschina. If I give my, if I give my neighbor something, so then he's the, the going to take. But just stam, lost again. But what, we want you to stay. This almost is, real, it's almost like the din daraisa of many of the gemaras and of all the Torah that talk about the things that Chazal instituted in order to keep us away from non-Jews to try to. Um, uh, Discourage any, uh, intermarriage, uh, God forbid, and things like that. So this is like a, the dindaraisa of, of what that is. Number two, don't praise. Don't be praising, the walking around praising the non-Jews. You praise the non-Jews, and, uh, you know, the, that's who you begin to focus on, that's who you want to become like. you're praising Gedolay Yisrael, Tzaddikin, you know, Kadosha, not, uh, you know, uh, you know, basketball players. That's not where our praise should go. Number three, it also says that losi tein lohem chania bekarke. You cannot give them chania. What's chania? A place encamping, a makom bekarke in Eretz Yisroel. Losi tein lohem chania bekarke. Uh, Good. That's already that's already one of the answers to the question. The question is the Gemara says in But the first Drushon of is You cannot sell land. Cannot give land or sell land to the non-Jew. So so what's the so so, so how in the world can you allow Hetemahila? So there's a number of answers. Sam just mentioned one, and this is what some of the Achronim say: is that maybe the whole avera, the whole issa, the whole prohibition of selling land, to, even though the Gemara doesn't, the, the Gemara doesn't say this, but the whole prohibition of selling land to the non-Jew, giving land to the non-Jew, if you be doing it on a, a permanent basis, let's us forever. If it's clear that I'm selling them the land, and in the contrast is that I have the right to buy it back at the end of the year, that's not what the Gemara is referring to. Therefore, therefore, there is no problem, according to that, to sell the land for the Shemitah year to the non-Jew, because you know that it's going to be incumbent upon him to sell it back to me at the end of the year. Number one. That's one reason, again, we have a problem, you can't sell land. The boss says, forget about everything. You're not allowed to sell land to a non-Jew. The answer is, in this context, you're allowed to sell the land. There was another suggestion that someone just gave of maybe why during Shemitah it's different. We mentioned before, Again, it's funny. What is the reason why you can't give them land? Well, you can't give them land because I want Jews to be living there, not non-Jews. I want a, I want a Jewish presence, not a non-Jewish presence. I want Torah, not a zara Yeah, but but selling the land to them during Shemitah is actually going to further the cause of having Jews live in Eretz Yisrael. It's like, if you understand that the reason why you can't sell the land to the non-Jew is because that's going to hinder Yishem Eretz Israel. But let's say selling the land is actually going to increase Yishem Eretz Israel. Oh, well, then maybe it's allowed. And that's what some say. Rav Cook writes in his very important say for Shabbos Haaretz. He writes as follows. Let's look at this I will take a question. A third reason why perhaps it's allowed to sell the land to the non-Jew during Shemitah, he says as follows: You see how he says Goy, not Shiva. Amen. So he understands, like many Yisrael, that this applies to all Goyim, not just to Shiva. Alamim. Yafah Heyir Chad Medina. Rev Zain Shah. Who's Rev Zain Shah? Was Rev what Shach's first name? I don't think so. Menachem, Man-Shach, right? It's so Rav Shach from the Besden, he was, i sure at some point was on the Besden, but uh, he's not referring to that Rav It can't be referring to that Rav because Rav Shach was probably like 10 years old at the time, or maybe he was 20, right? In the 90s, This is in the 1920s. No, it's Ravshach, no. So it's a different Ravshach. The Yishamu, the Begoi, Shebalav Hoche Yesh Lohchanieh V'Karika. Ain ha but as-Nashem this Svarah? You can't sell land to a non-Jew in because you can't give a guy a, 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 a foothold in Eretz Yisrael. But let's say he already has a foothold. He lives in Eretz Yisrael. He lives in Israel. So what's the problem? You're giving him a little bit more land? That's not a problem. Maybe. Maybe not. I think you can go both ways with that. That's a guy who has no foothold in Eretzol you would let him in and sell him land in Still, that's not allowed Even he already owns he owns a farm. so now he can own another farm. that's not a problem okay, okay. So therefore Rav says best to sell to a guy who already owns So he already has a Keshe to Eretz with the land that he owns without you so therefore you selling him your farm is not going to make much of a difference So again we have three reasons why maybe it's not a problem of Lot Sakhar to sell land to a non-Jew in Eretz One he already owns land so it's selling him more land is not part of the problem Number two he's increasing the issue of allahu is only if it decreases the issue of eretz israel what was the third one the third one is it's only allahu if you're selling it for him forever and not if it's for a particular period of time cook <sighs> says a fourth um, if, you have, if you have to leave, you know, don't, you know, please go. We're going to be finished in five minutes for now. Um, long way to go over the next few weeks, but finish for now. And the fourth, fourth point that the Cook says is that there is no problem to sell land. You can't sell it to a, one, someone from the Seventh Amendment, and you can't sell it to someone who's um, even a regular guy. But if someone's a Toshav. Someone is not Someone who is, does not worship Avodah Zarah Someone is keeps Sheva Mitzvahs B'nei Noach uh, So then Him there's no problem Of Loh Sakhon sort of, Cook said That's why it's best to sell To an Arab Because the Arab Has the status of a toshav. A ger-toshav, Usually a toshav Means you accept upon yourself The seven Mitzvahs In a formal way He says No If that's the nature Of their religion Is to accept The seven Mitzvahs And they're not Of the Avodah Presumably According to Moshe Shalom Islam is not Avodah Zarah So according to the Rambam Certainly he holds like that and therefore, there will be no problem of of, of Toshav. The problem is, of course, that you have to find the right Arab. Because part of being a Gero was is Los So there's a, there's a big problem there. So, so, and so I'm not sure if they would fit today into the status of a Gero But certainly then, you, and even today, you probably could find a few that would uh, fit, that, uh, fit that category. So basically, we have four reasons why Los is not a problem. However, if you would hold that it is a problem, and you don't like these reasons, the Chazenich thought this was... Uh, this was, this was uh, this was stretching it. This was stretching it. This was gymnastics. It says Rabbi, Rabbi Chazanish disagreed. It says you're not allowed to sell land to a non nervous Arab Israel, period. Even if it's for only a particular period of time. Even if you, you're saying that it's enhancing the use of Israel. Even if it's to a Gertoshav. Even if it's... He doesn't think the Arabs are Gertoshavs. And even if it's for... Even if it's... Uh, what was the other reason? Even if it's... Um, well, if not with Tzmitut, Rabbi Chazanish said you can't sell land to a non-jewed Israel. That's what we're up to. Let me... Was there any question as to the uh way given the land in the birthplace who was told that we were going to include that land or whatever and then we not supposed to drive to another after we drive after we give it to a maybe it's related. It could be that it's it could be it could be that it's related it could be that it's related. Right. And if the answer would be well we're only just giving it for you kind of it, Right. Well then that doesn't that violates the concept that that we actually gave it to the Right, right, it could be, it's probably all taken into consideration. And, and is it, it maybe more fundamental, the yeah. question is, Shemitah all together. When? When it says, well, oh. in in um, yeah. Bahar, it didn't the heart, Shavsar or it Shavsar. Life. Yeah. 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 Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, we right. Yeah. Road, right. right, yeah, forget yeah. it. That's what some of the postings said, that's exactly why you can't have a hat that's exactly right. Doesn't even work So we'll see, we'll see. We earlier, yeah. Yeah. What was their basis <laughs> we're gonna see, we're gonna see, we're gonna see. Right, right now, I, want, I just want to point out one, one, really one point. One, the Torah says you can't sell Hukanim, Chazal Dashim, you can't give land, you can't give a foothold of Eretz Yisrael to a non-Jew. We have four mahalqam of how maybe it's allowed. If Cook mentions one or two, and the Chazanish says he doesn't think that any of them are correct. You cannot sell land to a non-Jewan Eretz That's where we are up to. Next week we have to discuss just two things. And one is, if you hold that it's not allowed, not allowed. So I, I, I hold like the Chazanish; it's not allowed. You can't, you can't partake in that. Okay, but, but if someone else holds that it is allowed. That you, you can sell the land. So now I go into a store. And they, so they rely on him at the because they hold, like one of the stores that selling the land is allowed. But I hold it's not allowed. So the person in my mind did something wrong. I don't know, he followed his postage. I can't say he did something wrong. But according to me, he did something wrong. According to me, you're not allowed to do that. According to me, if I go into his store, are his peros, peros of Shemitah or not peros of Shemitah? Because if according to me, you're not allowed to sell the land because I hold the to and the Chazanish holds, this I mentioned before, that when you sell when you sell the land that you sell to a non Jew, the sale didn't go through; it wasn't chal. So then there was no So That means the fruits that he has are peros and I have to treat them as such. And all of their peros shemitah, but they be peros which were planted during shemitah, that were seeded during shemitah. So that's what we have to figure out. According to those who hold that you can't sell the land, if you would sell the land, would it be chal or not? That's an important piece. The second. A very fundamental question almost preceding all of this but I didn't want to start with this is when is Shemitah? what year is Shemitah? we know it's the 7th year and, the well, well, and of course and of course Warren's question is Shvirs today is Manazet, the Rabbano maybe it doesn't apply at all maybe the whole thing is Amidus chasidus, which is what a number of Rishonim actually say which we don't paschalize, but maybe we can use them as a sniff if like you just throw them into the pile, we we're being making you can say, you know, the Balamore holds that today there's no Shemitah Bechlal. There's no den of Shemitah in there of the Chla, because the whole den of Shemitah requires a bezdin to say that this year is Shemitah. And since there's no bezdin, Haggadah, to say that, so therefore there's no Shemitah at all today. You want to keep Shemitah, it's a nice midis chasidus. You can wear wool stetsas also. Whatever you like. But it's not, but it's nothing, it's not going to be, it's not going to be more, it's not going to be more than that. That's the first question. The second question is, um, when is Shemitah? When is Shemitah? Tafsunayeh Shemitah. How do we know that? Well, because Seven years ago, it was Shemitah. And how do we know that? Well, in 1888, 1889, it was the tough question of death, it was also Shemitah. Well, how do they know that? Well, we just have, basically have a Messorah. The funny thing is that this Messorah is very, very problematic because the Tanoim themselves disagree with Shemitahs. The Tanoim themselves disagree with Shemitah's. so And there's a Machogah we showed them how to posk So can we use that as a sniffle? Can we say, listen, for sure everybody agrees that today the Jewish world agrees, and this is the Halakha, that Tavshonayin Heye Shemitah. But can we at least, as we're involved in the Hatta Mechira, say, listen, it is possible, it is possible this year's not Shemitah. So maybe we can make on that too. Can we use that as a Kula? Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast.